Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 122. As the pod celebrates its two-year anniversary, we celebrate England with a look at the all-time most capped 15. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, a little bit later than planned, um, but uh, you know we promised to bring you one a week, and it is still the week. So here we are, and I'm joined, of course, by Dan. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. Um, I was in I was in a good mood this morning, and then I was just listening to um, Brian Moore's podcast, and Maggie Alfonsi was on it, and Maggie Alfonsi was saying that she will still get messages saying, like, from people saying. Uh, women have no right playing rugby and things. So I just wanted to say that if you're one of those people who believe that and you're listening to our uh, podcast now, fuck off. Uh, we we don't want you pricks listening to our podcast. Actually, I'm going to take it a step further. Don't ever watch a game of rugby again. The game we all love is too good for you. So just piss off and go and live in your cave, wherever it may be. Um, other than that, mate, I'm I'm all good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, I'm going to move on from that. Um, uh, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, look, b- b- before I do, I've just said I'm going to move on. I'm not going to move on just yet. Um, obviously, people are going to have ridiculous opinions and and they're going to say stupid things. People are going to troll her. You know, I imagine these days those sorts of messages she's talking about. It's obviously on Twitter. Half the time it's trolls. We had it the other day from someone who. Um, who commented? You know, they had a fake, a clearly fake name. They didn't have a picture of themselves as their profile photo. Looking back through their account, every single post that they put, every single reply they have, is all aimed at getting people to react. And some of the comments are so obviously intentionally kind of uh, designed to, to to kind of get make people angry. It's purely a, a, a sort of a a case of trying to yeah get people to say the sorts of things that you've just said, my friend. So you've fallen into the trap, I, I fear. I, uh, I have fallen into a trap, and I'm going to change my tune. In which case, if you're one of those people, I'm sorry that your life is that bad. I hope you get the help you need. <laughs> Much better. That's more <laughs> like it. A bit more PC. Anyway, um, so yeah, I don't think that the vast, vast, vast majority of rugby fans, whether they're interested in watching the women's game or not, that's that's entirely up to them. But I don't think any of them think that women have no right to play rugby. Um, you know, it, it's available to anybody, um, and that's what's great about it. Um, and it uh, it's one that we will continue to to watch and support. And you know, we'll do our best to try and share news of the of the ladies' game as well. Um, but we are here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to follow the boys on their way to winning the World Cup at the end of this year. And some people may say that that's looking less and less likely, but uh, but not us. Oh, no. Not us at all. Um, so, yeah, so let's move swiftly on. Um, we've got a few different things to get through this week. Obviously, it's not quite so structured in these kind of, these games that come in, uh, sorry, these phases of the season that come in when, when international rugby is not really going on, but that doesn't mean we don't have things to talk about. Um, but before we get ahead of ourselves, we have had another review. Um, this is from... I don't know if this is a new one. It, it's familiar, but uh, love the format is the title. Five stars is given. It's by Airborne FF. Uh, he says, "Don't stop doing the before, during, and after game comments. Uh, think it's honestly what ninety nine percent 
of people think and it's refreshing to hear uh, to hear it live as opposed to a with hindsight perspective um so appreciate that uh, it's it's why we do it yeah, it's exactly the reason that we do it and and yeah we're not we're not planning to stop i think most of the comments about that format have been positive i know one or two have questioned the point of them but hopefully that's clearer um, now that we've explained ourselves and, and clearly Airborne FF gets it um, and it is, it's entirely so that people can hear the the sort of, I know, uh, you know, our, our opinions are, I, I would guess it's, I guess it's more, it's more like what you, the opinions that you get from the pundits at the games, the, the professional ones, but, but the amateur version as opposed to being the amateur reviewer, armchair warrior, whatever you want to call it, uh, who waits until the end of the game and then says, oh, I knew England was shit. I knew, I knew Eddie Jones was shit. I know at half time I was saying that, uh, you know, he was the greatest thing since whatever. But yeah, so so the idea is that we <laughs> we roll we roll with the highs and the lows. We're there we're there for it all, Dan. That's what that's what we're all about, right? Absolutely, and we're we're happy to open ourselves up for ridicule because, uh, quite frankly, a lot of the time we do, we deserve it. But that's that's what being a fan is all about. Exactly. Um, okay, so a few things are going on. A uh, quick bit of um, uh, news, if you like. Uh, Israel Dag, if you've not already read about it, he's only 30, he's just retired from rugby. I don't know whether that's because of a, an injury issue. I don't know whether that's because he's perhaps not getting selected anymore. Seems quite young. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. All I know is the guy is an absolute incredible rugby player. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. Has he retired from international or retired from rugby full stop? I think he has retired from rugby full stop. But as I say these words, I am going to turn to something that might... Retires from rugby full stop. Oh, oh but it's, because but of a knee injury. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, you'll you'll be a loss to the game, Israel Nag. You're an absolutely incredible player. Right, well, yeah. It's it's le- I mean obviously it's awful for him but it's less interesting now that we know it's an injury because it's sort of like fair enough <laughs> if you're injured and yeah. you can't play any more then you've got your rest of your life to think about so moving swiftly on then um, the other thing I think is particularly interesting and much more relevant to to us and to England Danny Cipriani has just signed a new contract with Gloucester it's a three year deal which will likely see out his rugby career in. Given that you know, there's been so much chat about the fact that Danny Cipriani, well, you know, whether you think he should or shouldn't be involved with the England setup, um, the the fact that it, it certainly appears like Eddie Jones has has closed the door on him. Um, are we surprised that he hasn't maybe looked for the big payday for his last few years? Uh, yes, yes, I am surprised because he could get a massive payday somewhere. He he seems to Gloucester seems to have suited him well, and and I'm massively happy that he's staying at Gloucester. Um, I'm hoping. I think I'm being ambitious, and I'm reading between the lines too much. But I'm hoping the reason he's done that is because there is still a slight light at the end of the tunnel that he might still be able to be involved in the England setup. Uh, but I, I have yeah. no reason to, that's fine. to that, say that's, that. I no... That's what we base most of our facts on, uh, reading between <laughs> the lines, uh, reading things that aren't there between the lines. And and I will do the same. I I, I think there are two Eddie Joneses. Okay, I think there's the Eddie Jones that, that stands in front of the cameras. And I think it's all intentional. I think it's clever as well. 
Uh, I think it's Eddie Jones that stands in front of the cameras and gets everyone basically berating him personally and perhaps focusing less on the individuals behind the scenes. And now whether that's because he's you know, hiding certain tactical decisions that they might be, you know, to, to sort of things that they want to try out, or whether that's because he wants to draw attention from bad performances, or whatever the the reason. I think, I think he's very good at saying saying things that ensure that the media focuses on him. Um, I think there's another Eddie Jones behind the scenes that's that's quite frank and quite, you know, and speaks to these players and and explains the situation. And I think Danny Cipriani has probably been told, you know, yes, of course. There's, there's opportunities. You know, the door never clo- is never closed. And here's what I need from you. Here's what I'm not getting. Because I, I feel like Danny... And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's me just remembering the Danny Cipriani of old. But I feel like he... Is so, that something would have come out. Like, all these players. How has there been no criticism of Eddie Jones from these players who have supposedly had the door shut on them? I know, yeah, you, you know it's not professional really or anything else, but in the world that we live in now, with social media as it is, people talk to their mates, their mates end up tweeting stuff. You know, someone is going to have said, you're Don Armand. Someone's going to have said, um, you know, somehow that Eddie Jones has told Don Armand he'll never play for England because he's blah, blah you know. It, it would have come out if that was the case. I just, I'm not sure that that is how things are um, behind the scenes with Eddie Jones. So uh, that, that's a, that's a, that's a fact I'm choosing to read from between the lines as well. Um, Mate, I think that's I think that's a really good point. I've never thought about it that way, but that, that's so true because there have been players, like you say, Don Armand, Danny Cipriani, Alex that's Good, good yeah. who, who you'd say really should have had more England opportunities under Eddie Jones and haven't, and not one of them has... Maybe it is for media training, we don't know. But yeah, like you're saying, there hasn't been any but, negativity. But, but family and friends and friends of friends and, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's somewhere along the line. So, it, like, if these guys are going, I'm, be- I'm getting mugged off by Eddie Jones, they're going to tell somebody that that's how they feel. And that somebody is going to tell somebody. And it's going to end up to coming out in social media. You know, I have a source that's, you know, close to them that has said that he thinks this. And it hasn't happened like that. So I, I genuinely just think that the media has has kind of created this whirlwind of Eddie Jones doesn't know what he's doing. And he's, you know, you see these people saying that, you know, he, he he's great at the start and he knows how to find young talent, but he's he over pushes them too hard. And ultimately they, they implode. And it's it's all just media hype. And unfortunately, with fake news and clickbait and everything else that there is now, people just will say whatever they want. People will just dance. They'll just read between the lines. They'll read whatever they want from between the lines. And for, for, I'm for what I'm fed up of it. That's um, that, that that's very astute of you, there, young mm. young Andrew. But yeah, so I, I think it's I think it's quite interesting, quite telling that Cipriani has chosen. I mean, look, we, it may just be that he really likes it in Gloucester, and he's he's met somebody and and wants to settle down and I, who knows i just i think that i think that if he believed that door the door was completely shut he would go to france and earn two or three times the money for three years and then come back and enjoy the rest of his life um therefore i'm not convinced the door is shut and i guess the the on the flip side because we're all about trying to look at all, all the different angles he knows that eddie jones is effectively you know, finished as as the the big boss after the World Cup. 
is even though he probably won't make it to another World Cup, or that he might just, is he thinking, do you know what, I fancy a couple of years with England, and if I have to wait until after Eddie Jones is finished, then I'll wait until Eddie Jones is finished. Not that, yeah, I, not, that, not, not that that guarantees it that he gets in, because he's still he'll still likely be competing with Owen Farrell. And, but, um, you know, I'm just uh, devil's advocate. It's a possibility. Who knows? I, I think it is a possibility. There is the other possibility that's less less interesting, but maybe he's just that sounds like one really you, enjoying mate. his time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe he's just really enjoying his time uh, living in Cheltenham, playing for Gloucester, and just enjoying himself and, and decided that that's where he wants his life to be. And, but either no. way, let's hope that he's still in the running because I I still want to see a Danny Cipriani involved in an England squad. Yeah. And the way he's uh, playing, I think he's earned it. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's, it's how do you go about doing it? For me, Owen Farrell is first choice 10. So therefore, Agreed. Danny Cipriani is on the bench. And I feel like George Ford is, well, I suppose, you know, you can't argue with the position that Leicester are in and therefore, you know, George Ford's influence on that. And maybe that is a, a reason to Ooh. say, you know, should someone else be given a shot? Yeah, maybe. But George Ford, personally, I think he's been playing very well. Mm. Um, I don't think George Ford deserves to be dropped, but I think Danny Cipriani <laughs> deserves to be I mean, picked ahead of I mean, that's the, the same thing. You, you, that's a lot of fence yeah. sitting going yeah, on there. I was, I, was, I was just trying to, I was, I was just trying to, you, you know, I was just trying to make it, you, Don't. you know, like, like rose tints. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, then. Talking about Owen Farrell, he's he's a dad to son Tommy. How long Congratulations. Before, how long before he's in a, a, an England shirt? Well, I was going to say, do you think this World Cup will be too soon? Uh, I suspect maybe just. I mean, six, I wouldn't put months. it past Eddie to give him a try out. Try out, but what 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 do you reckon? Do you, like, I would I would bet. I, I, I'm not going because I don't have the patience to wait. But I would bet twenty quid on Tommy Farrell uh, playing for England one day. I mean, yeah, I think I think that would be a pretty good bet. I, I'm sure that you can probably you you probably can do it. I'm sure you can place that bet somewhere. I have no idea where, but. Um, they did all that with the Beckhams, didn't they? When they had their kids, they started taking bets on whether they play football. None of them will because they're all too interested in being social media celebrities. Um, so yeah, the world is changing. So who knows? But um, he's certainly got, yeah, like you say, strong pedigree uh, that's going to no doubt push him down a certain route. So we shall have to wait and see. But um, interestingly, he, he he was at the hospital while his wife was in labour. And um, I think 45 minutes before kickoff, um, uh, Saracens, they, they were, who were they playing? It was... Uh, 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 they had Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow, that's it, yes. So, and 45 minutes before kickoff, he was calling Mark McCall to say, you know, I can still make it. At this point, of course, he was, <laughs> he was in the hospital. His wife still hadn't given birth. So he seemed to think that he had 45 minutes to quickly have his baby or watch his baby being born and then make it in time to play the game which of course he was told don't be an idiot stay where you are which he did so you know, he did the right but thing but I love that yeah it's just this is the, the passion that this guy has for the game and I think you know yeah. uh, you read a lot of people's armchair warrior views and you know they're all 
banging on about how Farrell's a liability and uh, his his temperament is a is a liability to England and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's not at all. I'm going to come on to that later. Anyway, um, any other interesting bits of news? I don't know if you did. You see the the, the Tadburn dive. So I so, so I saw a clip of the dive. Now, this is. Uh, should, should we go into this? Let's just briefly, briefly discuss. So, so, so here's here's the thing. So I'll, I'll be I'll be upfront. My personal thing is there's no place for it in rugby. It, it's actually not on. I, I don't don't get me wrong. I'm not going to hold this against Hank Van Pages at the time. I was like, you idiot for doing it, but fine, it's done. Get over it. But just to play devil's advocate, here's here's the slight thing. If if he doesn't dive. He, there's probably no penalty, and it probably means that they don't they don't go through. As in, they they, they may not go through. So, the argument is that dive may have won them the match. However, I don't think there's a place in rugby. What I would like to see is, firstly, uh, I think it was Chris Jones on the BBC website saying what he'd love to see is. So I can't remember who the player was, Schumer or something like that, who shouldered him. What I'd love to see is say penalty reverse of a shoulder. Chris Jones said this, and then penalty reverse of a dive. I would love to have seen that. That is not rugby, and but it does take a strong man not to dive there and take a penalty. But I think, and this is my view, I think it is then up to the um, whatever the video referee and things to look at things like that, and then call the ref and say actually there was a shoulder thrown in. There needs to be a penalty. I think they need to look at things like that. So the players don't dive to try and engineer penalties. But for me, overall, I, I don't like it. There's no place for me for that in rugby. 100%. I don't even think it needs that much explanation. I think, look, bottom line is do, do whatever you want to do. If you want to do that in rugby, then then by all means do it. But given that there's cameras everywhere, um, you expect to get... Punish like even in football. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in football you get penalised for diving. You know, I know it's rare that they get caught because apparently it's become part of the game. But in theory, you get penalised for diving. So, hundred percent. You know, a replay. They should be saying no. It was a dive. Reverse the penalty, and then if they want to, then look at you know, the incident surrounding it and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I think it's that situation. Watching the, the replay. It was way too premeditated. You say it takes a big man not to dive. Honestly, I don't think I would consider that. Yeah, you know, these guys are all are all pretty aggressive, pretty fired up. Someone drops a shoulder on you. Surely your first thought is to retaliate, not to dive on the floor and, and wave your hands in the air. The, the problem is you retaliate. No, no, is... I, I'm not saying that's what you should do. But I'm saying I'm saying if you're talking about you know instinctive reaction, surely that is the instinctive yeah. reaction, not to dive on the floor. And if, if your instinctive reaction is to dive on the floor and wave your hands in the air, then we've got a fundamental problem. I think there's something premeditated in that, in what he did there. So so, so what, I'd, what I wouldn't have minded is if he'd got the person who'd just been like, oh, for God's sake, throw his arms in the air, and just like, for God's sake, ref, like, come on. I don't think that's wrong. Because... It, no, do an Alan, an Alan Wynch, Wynch Jones on him. Yeah, I don't mind that. I, I genuinely don't mind that because it was... 
it was a bit of a stupid thing to do. Um, but to dive and go down like that, yeah, that that's not that's not for me. Agreed, agreed. No place for it in the game. Uh, it needs to be it needs to be dealt with. And and you know we've seen to be fair, look, these kinds of incidents in rugby are pretty rare. Um, and we have seen them dealt with well. Uh, Nigel Owens was pretty good. I think it was against Stuart Hogg uh, a few years back in the Six Nations where he actually told him, uh, you dived, this isn't football. If you want to do stuff like that, you can get off the pitch and go and find a different game. Um, and that's the kind of reaction we want from the referees. Um, He's such a legend. Huh? He's such a legend. Oh, yeah. Nigel Owens. Yes, he is. So, yeah. Um, all right, we'll move on from that one. Um Final, we've got, we've got obviously some bigger points to get on with uh, in a moment, but any other news? Uh, I think the I was going to bring up the World League and talk about that. I think there's probably more of an episode in that. It's quite a big thing. I, yeah, I think so. No, I don't really know enough about it yet. I don't really know enough about, because I know it's changed a couple of times about how the format would be. I, I think I'd like to know a bit more about what what's going on, what exactly they have planned before we uh, delve before into we it. Yeah, going in, we we can be uh, we can be fairly dumb at the best of times. Let's uh, let's at least be dumb with one of us. Can, good information. For sure. um, yeah, sound, <laughs> sounds sounds good, mate. Let's uh, let's commit to doing this at some point. Uh, so we'll yeah we'll come back to that one. So I guess the last things is just um, we talked last uh, in the last episode about some pretty big games coming up um, for the for the bottom of the table and specifically for Leicester. Um, so Dan, what are the what are the games this weekend? I think we've got Saracens against Newcastle, right? So that's a big one for. Well, I say it's a big one for Newcastle. Re- realistically, that's Newcastle not getting points. So losing bonus points, try bonus points would be nice. But you know, I know every team targets a win, but you got to put your, your money's on Saracens there, right? I I. I would struggle to see is at the uh, Alliance. I would struggle to see Saracens losing that for sure. I struggle to see Newcastle getting a point out of that. Uh, then Leicester against Exeter. Again, it's at Leicester. Leicester have to target a point. I think Exeter. <sighs> Exeter. Leicester have to try and target a point. Exeter. I again would imagine will win that one. Yeah, that would be my my bet. Bath Bristol. Derby. Uh, Bath Bristol, it's it's at the wreck, uh, but Bristol could get something out of that and should be targeting something out of that, potentially even a win. Mm, and if they win, I think they put themselves in a very strong position. And and the big one of the weekend, and I think because we both said we we felt like looking at the table and the and the fixtures coming up, that that Worcester were perhaps even though they weren't dead last in the weakest position. They've got a pretty big game because it's against Wasps, who we haven't really included in our bottom of the table group. But they are. They're one point ahead of Bristol, right? So they're one point ahead of Bristol. And so this game is huge. If Worcester pull off a win against Wasps, Wasps' final four matches are against Saracens, Exeter, Quinns and Gloucester, the top four. Mm. So that could be Wasps in... Quite a precarious situation. Wasps need to win this. It's at home. It's at um, the Rico Arena. So Wasps really want to try and get the win here. If Worcester win this, Wasps are Wasps are fighting for their lives. If Wasps win it, I mean they might they might have done enough 
So, but, what, so what you're saying is the the wood one to watch is wasps against Worcester. Wasp Worcester is the wood one to watch for sure. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you like that? Uh, awesome. Okay. Well, we will obviously report back on these games and how that affects the table uh, in our next episode. But you, you know, they're the ones to keep an eye out for, guys, if you're interested in how this uh, this Premiership season is going to pan out and uh, and whether or not a giant will go down. Um, Right, Dan, uh, we'll turn, I'm going to turn it over to you now because um, the main feature of this episode, although we have gone on a bit already, uh, is obviously, as promised, a all-time most capped team or something like that, isn't it? England's most capped 15. So this is basically a celebration of England rugby and England rugby players who have the most caps for each position. And we just thought with... There's been a bit of negativity around in the moment, I guess, the way the Six Nations finished. But we just wanted to look back and, you know, celebrate some of the players who have served served as well as our international representatives and done, you know, a fine job. So we put together the England's most capped 15 by position, which is, uh, mate, do you know what? I really enjoyed doing this. This is quite good. This is quite good fun to I'm look into. To, so, to hear that, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had to do it at the eleventh hour because somebody uh, was too busy. But you, you know, so be it. Damn, um, I hate it when a job gets in the way of a podcast. Yeah, as you're putting on Facebook pictures of you out on the piss and stuff, but you know, whatever. I, mean, I wish I could um, remember what it was like to go out on the piss. <laughs> but it's, uh, mate, it's quite an interesting. It's, it's a very modern team, which is, I guess, to be expected. Like we said, with. Uh, with regards to like the amount of rugby they play these days compared to of last, course. but what what I'll do is I'll I'll go through the team and then we can uh, maybe look back on it, you know, a bit, a bit at the end. Or or would you rather sort of comment it as it comes up? Let's just I, I I'm, I'm feeling a bit freestyle. Let's let's see what happens. Freestyle, see what happens. Okay, so number one, loose head prop because the man can play any position. And England's most cat player of all time with 114 cats oh. is Jason Leonard. I mean, you can't really um, argue with that number of caps, can you? Mate, you, you can't argue. So, I, I think I said part, this before. Part of a World Cup winning squad at age 90. Mate, exactly. And when I think I think I told you when we were in Vegas with Tim Stagg and uh, flew to LA and Rick and I were flying back from LA and we saw Jason Leonard. I genuinely was starstruck. Like I saw him in the queue to the plane. I was such a noise. I was like, oh, can, can I shake your hand, please, sir? Yeah. And, shake, and he was like, he was really cool. He was really nice. I'm like, you're amazing. I, I love you. Why did, you, why did like, you put on such a ridiculous voice? Oh, mate, I couldn't help it. Starstruck. Absolutely starstruck. England rugby legend. I was just at, I've never been starstruck before. I, not that I hang out with a load of celebrities or anything, but. Um, no, I've, uh, I've uh, been that starstruck, and then we sat pretty much next to him on the plane. Nice, uh, and I was like, "Oh my god, the guy thinks I'm a bell end." Um, but luckily, he decided to um, enjoy enjoy the wine that was the fine wine that was offered on, on the uh, Virgin flight, I believe. Nice, and how, caps you said was 115. Did you say? 114. England's most capped ever player. 114 caps. Nice. So that's a good start. That's a good start. Uh, at hooker is with ninety-seven caps is Dylan Hartley. Dylan Hartley. I mean, um, that's that. That's 
impressive, isn't it? That that's really impressive, yeah. And and you'd think that he would probably join the hundred club, assuming he's fit for the World Cup. I believe I heard somewhere, and I can't guarantee this. I believe Owen Farrell has been named as captain for the World Cup, though. So, I heard someone say that. I have. I can't one hundred percent guarantee that. But if that's the case, then maybe there's no guarantee that Dylan Hartley will go. But hmm. either way, he's ninety-seven caps, and England's so the most caps. I think by some way that the next in line is Brian Moore. Yeah, he's he was so eighty odd or something, wasn't he? Brian Moore. No, but well. Actually, so I've got the thing. So the thing I've got up here is uh, by starts. So Dylan Hartley, I, I, I can't remember how many caps he got overall, but um, I don't know how many Brian Moore got overall. But it, it was less. We did, we, I remember when we did the Dylan Hartley episode back when we used to do player profiles. Uh, yeah. I remember men t- talking even then about Dylan Hartley being the most capped hooker, England hooker of all time, or coming up on that record. Um, and Oh, he's the standout. Yeah, and I'm and I'm pretty sure that Brian Moore was was second, as you say, but with eighty something. But anyway, it's it's out there somewhere. It's out there in the old World Wide Web. Um, yeah, look it up. And then number three, tight head. You've got Dan Cole, who has eighty five caps. Uh, he's been, he's been a workhorse. Eighty five caps. I think what's going to be interesting is at the end of all this is looking back and going, how many of these guys are still in contention? Because two out of three so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd say two out of three. Um, I mean, no, the two out of three but, are. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, completely arson. Jason, Jason Leonard, he's probably... Just too he, old. He's Just... probably, probably gone. Although I wouldn't put it past him. Just too old. Um, yeah. Um, right, moving to the row. So... If, firstly, I tell you, before you get on to I, if, if Martin Johnson isn't one of them... Something well, needs to change. Oh, good, good. Yeah, he, he, he is. He's, he's England's most capped second row ever, and he'd of it. In, in my mind, is the captain as well. He's got eighty-four caps. Eighty-four. Uh, yeah, and he's uh, he, he's the of, of which of those eighty-two were as a starter. Nice. Um, and then the other second row, which this is this is where things can get a bit tricky. So. The, the most caps next you, is actually Courtney Laws with 71. But some of them have been, obviously, as back row. And if you look, so I had a look at a different thing. The, the person who started the most games at second row, and not that, that, that the next would actually be Wade Dooley. And so do, we know, started, do we know how many caps Wade Dooley had? So I, I know he started 54 matches. I don't know if there's, uh, there may well be more caps as a sub, but um, Courtney Laws in second row has only started 44. But he's st- so he- of his 71 caps, he started 44 as second row. He's probably started some as back, well, he definitely has started some as back row as well. And obviously he's come on a sub for a few, but. Do you know what, I, I think, caps, uh, yeah, I, but do you know what, I think looking at that, the, the difference, like if Wade Dooley had, you know, 68 caps, if there was a, a, a couple of caps between them, I think I'd be inclined to say lean towards him for the starts. But 54 versus 71, and I know that we have, we probably want to double check exactly how many caps Wade Dooley got, but 54 versus 71 is quite a big discrepancy for me. 
So I think on that basis, I would go Courtney Laws for that additional experience. I've, I think so. And, and actually, if, moving to the flankers, what's quite interesting here is if you go by the amount of camps it, uh, in the flanks, you'd have Joe Worsley and James Haskell. Joe Worsley was 78 caps. James Haskell was 77. However, if you went by who started the most matches at flankers, you would have Chris Robshaw and Neil Back, which would, which is, I, I found that quite interesting, actually. So, you'd, you know, Joe Worsley and James Haskell have the most caps and, you know, deservedly are in there for their place. But, you know, Neil Back and... Chris Robshaw had started the most matches in the back row. And what were, the, Joe Worsley, what, what were the cap numbers for Worsley and Haskell? So Worsley has 78 caps. Yeah. Um, but as a substitute, he was a substitute 27 times. Mm. So, you know, that's 51. Whereas if you look at uh, Flank, so Chris Robshaw has 66 caps as a starter, and Neil Back has 63 caps as a starter in the back row. And Haskell was? Haskell has 77 caps overall. How many of them are as a sub compared to the... I'm not entirely sure, actually. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, well, let's come back to that, because, that, yeah, that's a tighter call in terms of the numbers. I mean, I suppose, well, if you look at them... We're we going for caps. So I, I think you've got to go Worsley and Haskell because okay, you know, yeah, that's fair enough. But yeah, interesting, uh, interesting to see the yeah what you were saying about Robshaw and back and the difference. But yeah, okay, fine. So Joe Joe Worsley and James Haskell on the flanks, and at number eight, Delalio. Of course, okay. and and Delalio's got the most starts by a mile and most caps by a mile. He has eighty-five caps, which is a common theme in this team. There are one, two, uh, let me let me check one, two, three, four people on eighty-five caps. Which is quite interesting. Fascinating. Um, yes, I, I thought so. Uh, so the lads are eight with eighty-five caps. So our scrum for England's most cap fifteen: Jason Leonard, Dylan Hartley, Dan Cole, Martin Johnson, Courtney Laws, Joe Worsley, James Haskell, and Lawrence Delalio. It's not a bad pack. It, it, it wouldn't be. I don't mean that'd be your all-time fifteen or your recent all-time fifteen, but that's no. not a bad team. But it's not. This is not about picking an all-time fifteen, is it? This is about looking at what does what does a most cap fifteen look like compared to what we might class as an all-time. Yeah, exactly, and, and and I quite like this. And and these players who played, they, they deserve recognition for just their service to England rugby as a whole. Um, Absolutely, sir. Scrum half, which is fairly recent. Uh, ben Youngs is the most cap scrum half yes. again with eighty-five caps. Became that literally against Scotland, wasn't it? Taking over from I, Danny I Kerr? Yeah. He's 85 as well, yeah? Yeah, so he's got 85 caps overall. So and I think Danny Kerr's on 84. The two of them have been... I mean, that's... What's, yeah. I think, particularly interesting... Well, I suppose you've always got two scrum halves and... But it, you didn't used to have the scrum half getting subbed. Has that been going on for a while, though? Thinking back to, to the days of Dawson, that did happen a lot then as well, didn't it? So that has been going on for some time. But D Danny Kerr, interestingly, as so we say with 84 cats, Danny Kerr, interestingly, only has 38 cats as a starter, and he is England's most yeah. substituted player with 46. Yeah, I mean, it, it is very uh, much the start, the starter finisher role, though. We've discussed this at you know at length over the over the last few years, haven't we? So, um, 
it's a, it's a bit of a unique area. I suppose it's a bit like prop actually. Starting yeah, finisher. It's it, it's it's just it's a thing now. So being a finisher or substitute if you prefer, um is still a valuable cap. Oh massively so, massively. And probably so. more and- so than perhaps it used to be when it was more about if he looks like he can't manage anymore, we've got our next best to come on. Or if he, you know, now it's about who's who's going to be most impactful for the last 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Um, so, yeah. And, and I think it's been very unique with regards to, we've had two people who, in my mind over the years, have been very similar in quality. It's just a case of, like you say, who's most impactful starting compared to most impactful finishing. I don't think it's always been, but at the moment, Ben Young's possibly overall is probably the best scrum half in Britain. In, he's, in, he's in possi- Britain, I'm Britain possi- in it. Possibly, probably. Possibly, probably. Ah. Uh, and, Dan, and Danny Kerr's fallen a bit out of flavour, but Prob- there were times Probably, where, possibly, the best Exactly, probably, possibly. Uh Allegedly, the best. <laughs> okay. Should we, um, move, should we move on to Scott, to fly half? Fly half, in my opinion, the yeah, finest man to there is only one. Start Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah I, I, I honestly believe he's the best person to ever play rugby. He, but he's 91 cats at fly 91. half. 91. And what's Owen Farrell on at and, the moment? So, Seven, uh, well, Owen, so, so Owen Farrell, I don't know how many cats, but don't forget he's played loads at centre. He's only started 33 matches as fly half. Mm. George Ford has started more matches at fly half than Owen Farrell. Yes. But but like you say, this is uh, about total cats. and. Yeah. But yeah, Owen Farrell uh, isn't quite... No, no, not that yet. I, mean, I was Johnny thinking more about, you know, is he going to overtake Johnny Wilkinson? I think almost definitely, isn't he? Owen Farrell's going to be uh, a hundred man. Like he's, he's, he's got another World Cup in him at least. And if he's oh, already in the, so. in the late 70s, I, I, can, I couldn't see him not passing the 100 mark. I don't think he'd allow it. You know, he's no, going to keep playing until um, he's literally dragged off kicking and screaming. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I'm sure he will. Um, so I'll move to the centres now. The, the centres were interesting. I'm not sure that you'd necessarily put these two together as uh, the, the best centre combination because of their play, but it was Will Carleen and Mike Tindall. Uh, Will Carlin with 72 cats and Mike Tindall with 75 cats. Um, both brilliant players, but um, whether they complemented each other sort of perfectly to play together, maybe they would have, you know. Yeah. But um, Different game. But uh, Yeah, both deservedly so. Um, Will, Will Carlin has 72 cats and he, every cap he started. Wow. So, well done, that, Will Carlin. I think that also speaks, not to take anything away from him, but that also speaks to the way the game's changed, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. Um, but that, that that's that's a powerful sense combination. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, going to the wings, who, who do you reckon? I mean, there's got to be an Underwood in there, hasn't there? Although I don't know if they played enough games back then. Yeah, the Rory Underwood, 85 cats. England's, 85, England's yeah. most ever, like 85 cats in 49 tries. So he's England's Biggest ever try scorer by quite a way. Um, and he, 85 cats, which is just brilliant. That's and the cool. other wing is Ben Cohen. Ben Cohen, yeah. Um, How many was played, he? Played well on He has, Ben Cohen has 57 cats. Oh, wow. Our second um, most capped 
winger only has 57 caps. That's 57 caps. Johnny May already has 44 caps as a starter, so he may even have more caps Jeez. as as a sub. So Johnny May, I think, will catch up fairly soon. I mean, what, how, um, do we know how many caps Johnny May has full stop? I, uh, Johnny May full stop, I'm not entirely sure, but he, I, th- I think Johnny May often starts, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember him ever. I'm sure he has when he first came on the scene, but I don't recall the last time him coming, he came off the bench. He has 45 caps. He has 45 caps overall. So, so he's not far off Ben Cohen. After this World Cup, I'm pretty sure he'll be... Um, so if you said 44 starters, I think he's one that's bench. So after this World Cup, he'll be close to Ben Cohen and the yeah. warm-up matches. So I'm sure Johnny May will take that scene and, and deservedly say he's been brilliant. Um, so yeah, Underwood Cohen, but it will look like Underwood May in about a year. Which would be a hell of a... Fullback. Fullback, uh, Mike Brown. Yeah, Mike Brown. So, so Mike Brown obviously has played some games as... Uh, he's obviously played some games as a winger as well, but actually Mike Brown has started the most matches at fullback by the way as well. He started 54 matches as fullback. Whereas your next in row would be Matt Perry, who started 33 matches as fullback. And Mike Brown was, what, 70, 72, 73 caps, something like that? 72 caps, yeah, well done. 72. Well done. Well, we did, a, we did a profile on him as well, didn't we? So. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, an interesting... You know what, and the other, the other thing is, looking at that side, in terms of... We, we talk now about the, what England lack of leaders, like true, proper warrior leaders. Jason Leonard, I don't know whether he was really a leader or not, but... Just, just the number of oh, caps makes, makes him one. Dylan Hartley, uh, you can't argue yeah. with the fact that he is a leader. Martin Johnson, of course, who's our captain in this team. Uh, Lawrence Delalio, an ex-England captain. Johnny Wilkinson, an ex-England captain. Will Carling, an ex-England captain. Mike Brown, to a lesser extent, is considered one of the leadership guys for his experience. Um, I don't know whether you would class Tyndall in that. I think someone like James Haskell could probably almost be considered yeah, as Yeah, Ben Young's-ish. James Haskell now, later in, on in his career, with you know he's Captain Wasps, we've seen what he can do and, and just that passion he has for the game. You know, there are leadership qualities there. Um, it's, 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 it's definitely something that I think we, when we look at the current England team, we see less, we don't see that, that volume of leadership uh, to that extent. But, also, it's the caps. I think if we were to look at the current England team and put the number of caps next to them and compare them to this, and like you say, this is not a this is not a kind of a, an all time England fifteen, but it is the most capped one, and it's it would be interesting just to see the difference because yeah, experience is is so important. Um, you know, aside from just you know the, the sort of individual qualities that a lot of these guys have. Um, and I think it's something we're seeing more and more of from England, you know, as they're becoming more and more experienced, that the leadership is developing. Um, but there will be plenty of opportunities to talk about this. And I'm sure anyone who isn't English or anyone who is uh, old school English, and therefore that and that means that basically you hate England, except when they're winning, um, will, of course, right. say that, that England have a complete lack of leaders and no hope and Eddie Jones is useless and Owen Farrell shouldn't be involved and... Billy um, Billy Vunapola is the most overrated number eight in the world. I've heard that. Um, what? Yeah, no. We, like I say, we're going to come on to that 
and things like it another day because we are pushing for time. But, um, you know, I think people need to just remember England came second in a Six Nations in which they had two shockers. Yeah. So, you know... That, 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 and, and you know they scored more tries than anyone else in that same Six Nations. So don't get me wrong; I'm not defending the the performances in those two shockers, but it's very easy, and too many people are far too quick to go. It doesn't matter how good they were in those games because they were rubbish in these ones. Um, and look, Wales have shown you don't have to be good to win a Six Nations. <laughs> well, I, I I think I think Wales can claim to be reasonably good I, I i don't want to say they're not good i think that's harsh but okay you, you can play poorly throughout the entire six nations and still win it is that, yeah is that, you, you can is that better i you, you can play non-world cup winning rugby i <laughs> i don't believe rugby they play is a world cup winning rugby um it, but it was poor like you go on the bbc website now and i know that people go oh bbc they're, they're basically english um but you go on the bbc website and you see things like um, where did I see it? Some, some, something. Yeah. Oh, it's obviously, it's now gone. Of course, they've refreshed the page. It was something like, "Why are no Welsh teams left in Europe?" or, or something like that. And the answer is simple: because Wales are not very good at the moment. And I know that people will be like, "What the hell are you talking about? They were amazing. They won a Grand Slam. Blah blah blah." And, and you know, they did. But they didn't have a decent performance until their last game. They 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 were good against Ireland. They were good against um, Ireland, you know. But but you know we say we say of Scotland every year, and you know this one and last one um, that they've got one good game in them. We say of France that they've got one good game in them. Do, do, is that is that how we should look at Wales now? They've got one good well, game in them. Well, the thing is, what you've got to bear in mind is if you're playing poorly and you're winning, that's not a bad place to be. No, no. I, I, look, they've got a Grand Slam. That's, that's, that's great. Uh, and it's, it's, it's deserved because the teams they were playing against played worse. And, you know, bottom line is if you, if you win the game, then, then you were better than your opponent uh, on that day. Um, and I'm not arguing that fact. Um, but you don't want that to be a legacy. Or, I, you know, I had a... I had a successful career playing for a team in which we never really played very well, but um, we always managed to play against teams that were playing worse than us on the on the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I, I don't know how much I want to talk about Wales, but but fair enough, I get what you're saying. Oh, the, the other point which we need to put in is the coach, England's most. Uh, Cat coach, not that it's cat, but England, the person who's coaching them the most times, Sir Clive, of course, of with course. 83 matches. Sir Clive, 83. And what does Eddie have currently? Eddie is, I believe, on now, I, I believe it's 44, but Eddie, for all those haters out there, still has, and this is after 44 matches or something very similar, still has England's best win percentage. Yeah. So for everyone who's hating Eddie, bear in mind he still has England's best win percentage as a coach. I was, you know, I was looking at something the other day, and I'm annoyed actually I haven't got it in front of me now. It was basically showing all of the the records for the various coaches over the years, and some. Uh, Brian, no, it wasn't Brian Ashton. Who was it? Who? Um, Andy. 
Andy Robinson. Robinson had something like a 6% win success rate with England. No. It was no, something no. it was something awful. He didn't have very many games, to be fair. Um that, that, that wouldn't have been Andy Robinson. Would it not? Um I mean Andy Robinson wasn't wasn't uh sort of um wasn't like a great so he didn't have a great reign, but he, he wasn't that bad. Well, I'm gonna look it up. There's there's so, somewhere it's probably ESPN. They usually have all the all the juicy stats. Uh, so I'm going to try and find out in time for a future episode and find out exactly how they all stack up. But um, obviously, you know, you remember the big the big wins, and nothing was bigger than 2003. Um, so if Eddie wants to sit himself among uh, among that kind of legend, then um, there's a bit of work to be done between now and October, November. So. Um, I think we should probably leave it there, uh, and we will come back to it. I was, do you know, I was, I was. We won't do it because we've done plenty today already. But I, I talked to you before about having something I might bring up, depending on how the episode is going, and we will do this in, I think, our next episode. Um, if we were picking a Lions team now, what would the Point. starting starting fifteen be? And this is this has been. We've mentioned it before. This has been floated around. I've seen a couple of people posting it on um, Twitter, um, and it's very interesting with po- poster Six Nations, in which Wales did a Grand Slam. But I think most non certainly most non Welsh players would non Welsh fans would admit that you know the performances were not great. Then you've got England, who came second, who had a couple of really strong performances, but also a couple of dire ones. You've got Scotland, who had a whole host of poor performances and then obviously a cracking second half against England. You've got Ireland who were potentially favourites for the World Cup who just seemed to disappear during the Six Nations. I think it'll be very interesting to see what a, a Lions 15 would look like right now from the obviously totally unbiased perspective of the England rugby pod. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, it was 15. So yeah, we will do that, guys. In uh, in certainly one of the next couple of episodes. Um, but yeah, I think for now, coming up on the hour, it's probably time to let you guys go. Uh, so, unless you've got anything else to add, Dan? No, no. So, so yeah, next week will be really interesting because it'll be interesting to see how the uh, results this weekend go, and may, maybe even we'll definitely at some point revisit what the uh, relegations looking like and what impact they may have on a. Uh, on the England boys. Maybe we definitely will do that. <laughs> Possibly, probably. Perhaps. Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening once again. Uh, as always, uh, if you get the opportunity and you haven't done so, or even if you have, head over to iTunes, drop us a rating uh, and give us a review. Update a review if you've already done one. If you've got anything new you want to add, we always read them out. Um, if you'd rather get in, get in touch with us on email, it's englandrugbypod at gmail.com. Uh, and you can reach out to us on social media at England Rugby Pod. And, uh, and we will look forward to catching up with you again in about a week. Catch you then.